BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. To have to do it all over again, that was pretty brutal, Bungie. You had to do it twice because then you had to do all the challenges. And we... Me and Shadow Price did not realize that we're, we're here trying to beat Atheon on the first time, then we realized, shit, this is not going to happen. It's not you, know, you know what that's like? You know what that's like? That's like an old school game, like Ghosts and Goblins. Like, you, when you get all the way to the end, and then you realize, oh, you got to go through it again, because that wasn't the boss. The final boss is at the end of the second playthrough. Like, oh, okay, thanks. It didn't kick my ass enough the first time. So... It's going to be a fun episode tonight, Guardians. I hope you're ready, because I'm ready. Shadow Price, are you ready? I'm ready. All right, Cruz, are you ready? I'm ready. All right, let's do this. Hello, Guardians, and welcome to the Destiny Show Podcast. I am your host, Cornholio, and tonight we are live with the best in the world. On the Destiny Show, we welcome the member of Clan Elysium, he is the world's first Destiny 2 Vault of Glass reigning champion. He is the Slayer of Atheon and the King of Kings. And again, the best in the world in the Destiny community today. And we're excited and honored to welcome him on the show. Thank you so, so much, Cruz, for joining us tonight. It's such a pleasure to have you on with us. I mean, uh, with a lot of people. Yeah, dude, we're so excited to have you on and you accomplished something pretty, pretty remarkable. And we're really excited to share your journey with this community and to figure out what it really takes to get that day one clear. Because let me tell you, me and Shadow Price, we're not new to the game. Shadow Price is like pushing 50 at this point. And we're trying to figure out how to do it before Shadow Price is dead. I'm going to oh, be boy. perfectly honest. Like we're, we're trying to figure it out. So it's an honor to have you on and you achieved something in all seriousness, really remarkable in this community. And we have a ton of respect for what you do. You are the ultimate underdog. Nobody thought. Yeah. I mean, you are the ultimate underdog. (laughs) I mean, we, I mean, DSC, we uh, had three people on our team come second. So, I mean, granted in the sense that I guess we're newer on the scene of like the Destiny community, but uh, we've we've got some we've got some good players. So, Guardians, tonight before we interview Cruz, 
I'll let you know what we're going to talk about tonight. We're going to dive into the latest news from Bungie. We're going to talk about Grandmaster Nightfalls. We're going to talk about Master Raids. We're going to talk about the Fatebreaker title. And we're going to learn about Cruise in a much, much cooler way. So thank you so much for joining us tonight. And Cruise, I hope you're ready for our discussion with the Guardians. I'm ready. All right, let's do this. So how did you get started in Destiny and your Destiny community journey? Well, I mean, I guess I was like any other beta player back in the day of D1. Um, I just sort of experienced the game as it kind of came out and came to me. Um, I never really took the game too seriously, but I mean, I was, you know, back trying to be a good player i always wanted to sort of like do the hard mode raids and things like that um i think that went pretty quick and then right around um end of warmind before forsaken i knew forsaken was going to be a really big step and i didn't want to miss out on potential like kind of sort of like pinnacle activities that i've always thought of that were like deemed exceptional to do things like that it's like I kind of wanted to be that person. So I set out to look for a group of players that I felt like I could do that with. Stumbled across um, this clan that I'm in now. And I really like that now name. We're here, you know? Clan Elysium. Like, I like, I like that name, Elysium. That's. Yeah, we, we went through a little bit of a phase. Initially, when I joined the clan, we were called My Rally Barricade. And then we had a few name changes, things like that. But then I think right around right around when Garden came out, I think, is or like just before Shadowkeep. We're like, all right, let's like pick like a more like Robust, a I don't know, sort of like a more like type name. I don't know. It's yeah, it's like, you know, we've yeah. got like the one word sort of like cool names. So we're like, all right, so you gotta get Cruz, one. Of those. Tell us a little bit more about Clan Elysium and how the clan got started its origins and how did you guys attempt to do worlds first i mean how does that come about well essentially the clan kind of came about from sort of the same mentality that i initially wanted to join a clan like it it was really just you know a group of people who wanted to do like the pinnacle things because i mean to that group of people like that's sort of normal so it was like hey when when uh, a raid comes out you know we should be trying to get a, a day one clear uh, when something like heroic menagerie comes out you know we should be able to you know beat that giant ogre that spawns four nights uh if you can't kill him fast enough you know so that's the sort of mentality that sort of breeded our community into what it is over the years at this point, it's sort of just been refined and sharpened as a blade, you know? Better players, more committed, better friends, all that sort of thing. And um, now at this point, I mean, I think... Uh, I want to say since Goss, we've always felt that we were capable of getting a world's first. Um, whether people knew of us or not, it really didn't matter. Um, DSC comes around. It's uh, kind of it's interesting because of all of the exploring that you could do before the raid release. So it kind of changed how the raid race sort of felt initially. But 
ultimately one of our teams getting number two really was like, wow, this actually kind of became more of a reality that like, like we could, we could actually get a world's first. It didn't sound as as far out of reach as Um, it would under normal circumstances, having members in your group there. Um, I mean, for sure. Uh, It's like, we, we always believed, but it's sort of like that hope for and not we actually expect it. I think after DSC, you know, three of like Kyra, Salt, and Quaz were on that team, and they got the, the second clear. And it's like, I don't know, it's just sort of like a uh, just confirmation that like, like we're, we're in striking distance of like our ultimate goals of just, you know, being as competitive in like end game content and ultimately day one raids are the, the that's like for a clan like ours like that is the thing in destiny that's the pinnacle it's, it's the day yeah. one raid and getting as good of a clear, clear as possible and if you're lucky enough because things do have to go your way but i mean getting a world's first if that's you know it's on the table what is the secret to getting worlds first in a raid like Vault of Glass? What level of commitment, what level of skill does it take? I don't think it takes any bit more commitment for one day one versus any other. They all sort of have their sort of parameters of like, oh, what time frame it is, what's the meta like, et cetera, et cetera. Like a lot of different factors can come in. Um the way it was implemented, obviously Fog is very different coming around as a returning raid compared to, you know, something like Last Wish or or Crown or other raids that have come out in the past for D2. Um, because we did know at least most of what's going to happen in terms of, all right, we know what conflicts are. We got to defend. They might add something, but we know the foundation. So beforehand it's when you're discussing with your team at least for us it was honestly a lot of sort of theory crafting of what it could be and we have to keep that in mind while we're playing does this make sense does that make sense should we try this strategy first what kind of gives us the best chance of beating it as quickly as possible compared to another raid like uh, DSC you know we know the we knew the layout but for like something again, just referring back to Last Wish. Completely blind, completely new experience. The mechanics are actually quite new in the Destiny world than what they were before. You know, I'd say I'd say Last Wish sort of stepped it up a bit with the whole like cleansing and Antumbra, Penumbra. Like that's probably one of the most um unique mechanics that's come out so for that raid it's a little bit more while you're doing it a little more uh like brute force in terms of like techniques of like finding out strategies and things like that you're going to be having to go at an encounter for three plus hours four plus hours some encounters were like eight hours right but for vog i in dsc it kind of shows that destiny is moving a little bit in a different direction and we're expecting more like three hour day ones, four hour day ones for like the world's first team. So that's another thing in our mind. It's like, okay, we gotta 
we got to nail things pretty quick because, I mean, we're going back in a second time. We'd have to have, you know, an average of like two hours per clear. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting you mentioned that because, yes, this raid, it was a very unique raid for Bungie to release because it wasn't something completely new. We already had the Vault of Glass. So Bungie, as a company, they had to find a balance between giving us something new and something that honors the past in a respectable way. Which I think they honestly nailed. Um, it's just the fact that, you know, nowadays we do go into Vogue and it's a little easy. Um, I think that was sort of inevitable that just because there wasn't, well, I guess they could have changed a lot of things, but in the spirit of Vogue and if you reflect back to like a lot of their twabs that they've written about, you know, like DMG or Cosmo says, we want to keep the spirit of Vogue alive, like how it was in D1. And we want to bring that to D2. So kind of using that, that wording, it doesn't sound like there's going to be a whole lot of new stuff. It's still going to feel like Vogue. So, you know, going into it, we expect normal Vogue with some twists. Um, but I mean, after the fact, um, I mean, it's just sort of, I mean, to me, it still does feel like the same raid. Yeah, is, in a lot of ways. I think that they wanted to nail. Yeah, they have like the, the one treasure chest down below in that one area. Like a lot of the locations are, you know, just a little bit different with, you know, the way that some of the encounters work, like the gatekeeper, like that encounter is totally different now. Yeah. And, you know, Atheot itself when calling the oracles outside and things like that as well. Um, how was your guys's uh, your DPS like on that first run? Did it like seem like when you were got to damage phase, you guys were able to do really good damage and things like that? Like, did you guys have your loadouts like set pretty well when it come to uh, fighting the bosses and things like that? Um, throughout the raid, we like the night before, especially, but I mean, even weeks before, we sort of had. Uh, a bit of a loadout setup that what we knew we wanted to bring in so whether it be like uh, a xeno build with a bunch of warm cell stuff like bringing in wrath rasputin rage and other things fire team medic or for templar if we wanted to try double slugs versus just anarchy and sniping did we feel like that was going to make more sense um initially at least for templar yeah we were like okay double slugging does seem like it's going to be possible uh, how we executed it wasn't that great. We ended up going onto the sort of like top right um, area. There's like a little ledge. That's one of uh, Templar's teleport spots. Right, we figured right. that was going to be like the best slash safest spot to do damage from. Turns out you could be a lot closer to do it. And I think after our first one, we were like, no, 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 no. All right, switch swap snipers. <laughs> Just your anarchy snipe. Because yeah. we still had like we still had the oracles to deal with, which I mean on a day one, it's sort of yeah. like a new mechanic. You want to stay on top of the mechanic. Um versus, you know, nowadays you're gonna be like, oh, I'll leave the oracles, whatever, we'll just cleanse. Uh, right. So we ended up doing uh I'd say pretty good damage given the weapons that we used. You know, we weren't using double slug anarchy for the most optimal DPS, but I mean we still had, you know, sniper anarchy and running a GL to clear ads it, it's with six people. It's I mean, it, 
the ads fairly easy because they, they hit so hard in contest mode. So it's like you have to be aware of that too. Yeah, while I you're mean, trying to, mm-hmm. like if you commit to double sucking, you don't necessarily commit to only DPS weapons because one thing about Destiny, which I think is really cool, but it's something they probably should look at, is the fact that you can swap special weapons and keep your ammo. So you could go ahead and shoot, you know, 10 slugs of each, still have five remaining. You might be able to swap to another shotgun or whatever else you want to use, a GL. You need to have, like, three shots. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess it's a bit of a trade-off if you double slug. You kind of have to kill them in that well, but I, I don't know. The more I think about it, it's it's so easy to survive in a well with a bubble. Like, Templar's not killing you. He, and the ads, honestly shouldn't kill you like if you're if you're dying to an ad during that phase like you're probably doing something wrong so it made sense to just sort of commit you know just run full dps weapons and just you know bake them down like we do nowadays but right for us yeah. it made more sense in that moment just to we tried it it didn't necessarily work let's not take the time to figure out a better way let's just do it a way we know is going to be easy for us to do and we we get it the next try so do that for Templar. Then Atheon rolls around. Um, I think for Atheon, everyone had kind of bad damage, and because we didn't understand exactly how much more ability damage was being dealt, I'm right. fairly yeah. certain if we went in again, knowing like the supers, the, right? That was that right? was like that was I mean, key. We, yeah. I mean, yeah. we had uh, what do we? Have? I think we had two GMA Chaos Reaches, a well. Yeah, uh, we had a bubble. Um, Quaz was on Nighthawk, and then I was Thundercrash. So we had four very strong, like damaging supers, especially with the Thundercrash on the Nighthawk. Because with the Orb Gen, I mean, you're getting two, and for the Nighthawk, you might even get three off with the orb, other orbs around. Right. Um, but we were also just sniping, right? And with that bubble, we we're like, okay, just have a Divinity bubble and just shoot his crit spot. And then when you have your super, you just use your super. Outside of that, it's just like stick anarchy and snipe. It was sort of the same thing as Templar, just with a bit more super usage. Mm-hmm. But it's really like, uh, if I knew a little more or noticed it, that's something. If I noticed the damage being like, wow, my nades are like pulsing for basically a sniper shot, I should throw more nades. Um, that's something I don't think any of us realize. But looking back, that would have definitely helped. Yeah. So, Cruz, on a slightly different topic, what do you do when you're not playing Destiny or playing video games? Uh, like real life? I mean, I go to the gym a lot. I like working out. Um, I'm in school, so that's another thing that I do. Um, but I mean, those are the school and working out. Those are those are my two life things. Really cool. Now, other than that, um, going back to the Vault of Glass, how would you say that you prepared for day one? Do you get, like, plenty of sleep? Do you do anything special in the game? I was thinking, like, in-game. Like, uh, well, make sure all your weapons are are leveled, you know? Like, what do you do, like, in general? Um, Well, the night before... um, Well, usually about the week before... I'll go into dim and use the loadout optimizer and 
I usually like we all know essentially what we're going to be running for the whole thing other than like some slight changes. I knew that for myself, I was probably going to be running Thunder Crash, most of it. I was going to be, or I was going to be running Code of the Commander, uh, which is the middle tree Sentinel for Titan. So I make my builds based around what armor pieces I have. So if I'm running two exotic chest pieces, I try and make them the same, and I try and make my mods always roughly the same and what they're going to work. Like, am I going to want stacks on stacks with protective and taking charge? If I switch to a GL, I need to have a blast radius thing ready. It's basically all these little things that I we like we can't allow for any missed time, right? Seconds matter in a in a world's first push. So I have to come yeah, especially in especially in that first day as most as as prepared yeah. as possible. I need to have everything that I should need ready on my character. Every weapon I think I'll use, um, and every you know armor piece leveled, etc. For Vogue and especially with contests, like the leveling portion really isn't that f- important anymore. You know, it's like, oh, just be 1300. Well, if you played last season, you're at least 1300. So that made it easy. Um, so it sort of took out the leveling focus and made the build focus and like making sure I had the right affinities. If I want recuperation on, I need to have my solar boots, you know, as like my best piece of armor. I need to have the right solar resist or void resist or depending on what boss I'm doing, are there going to be more goblins in the fight? Like, these are all things that you're going to think about because, like, you you are min-maxing to the most in in that activity. Destiny doesn't really require that in most things, but when you're, when you're in a race and in something like that, like for World's First, like, like I said earlier, the seconds count, you know, taking 0.2% more damage is something that could matter. So it's always thinking about what's going to work together. Yeah, and it's like normally it wouldn't, but during day one contest mode when everything's hitting harder and you're dealing so much less damage, like you need to take advantage of every single opportunity. Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. So what would you say you would do during the next raid? when the witch queen comes out obviously we don't know what the seasonal artifacts are going to bring we don't know what that will be we could speculate the meta will change somewhat um but in terms of weapons in terms of like loadouts how do we prepare right now if we want to get that push if we want to complete a day one clear even if it's not a world's first what advice would you give well, what I will say is that usually the most basic, boring, and meta loadouts are the ones you're going to use the most. Um, so you don't really have to, you know, turn your brain power up to a thousand to try and be like, I'm going to use Isa tomorrow with this setup and this and this. And it's like, that doesn't matter most did of I, the time. Did Isa like, tomorrow ever get buffed? Did they ever buff that? Well, yeah. it technically got fixed. Um, it oh. still sucks. Oh, yeah. Well, it doesn't necessarily suck. I don't want to say it sucks. It's just not that great, especially with Deathbringer and its catalyst. Uh, a million times out of a million, I would take Deathbringer over Eyes of Tomorrow in any serious content. Maybe one if it makes sense, but I don't know. Like, 
I'd rather use a, a legendary rocket launcher just because it, it just is better for killing the Hazen's r- was really good against the um, wyverns. Uh, yeah. Pretty effective. I, I kind of like the sort of like rocket meta change. I think it's worked really well. Hopefully linears sort of become that next thing. But uh, getting back on topic, what to do for a day one in the future? I mean, I was saying like loadouts matter, but usually the most basic thing is going to be the best thing as well. Um, and especially with a day one, a lot of people do. Like, we don't really care about getting like the numbered clear or world's first. You just kind of want like the emblem. What most people will do is sort of like wait four hours, five hours, wait till like the first couple teams to sort of figured everything out. And then you kind of know like what strategies work and it's more about just execution, which is something you can only do better by just playing better. So I would say that doing challenging things is the best way to prepare for a day one, whether it be a low man, whether it be um, getting familiar at contest like leveling and it's like how it affects gameplay, how it affects your movement, your decision making, um, all those sort of things, the intangibles in game and how you play in game are so much more important than whether you have the right mods on or things like that. Pretty well. That's well said. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's really awesome. So on that note, did you think that you were going to get worlds first before you went into it? I don't think anyone who ever wins thinks they're going to win because there's so many teams out there. I mean, okay. Were you confident at least in a day one clear? Oh, oh, we knew we were getting a day one clear. We knew we were going to get, we knew we were going to get top 50. We should get top 20. We expect top 15, top 10. Like, that's our expectation. If we don't meet our expectation, then we're not as happy. Um, But getting the day one clear, getting a top 50 clear, I think was like something really bad must have happened for us to not get that. At least in our uh, from what we see in each other and like our team, we're like, okay, there really isn't any excuse if we don't reach X placement or whatever. And would you say that you have been able to get in the top 50 top 20 in previous raids pretty easily i think with this team yes um in the past i think it's sort of been a belief of just the day one like for garden i'd say for me it was about just getting the day one i didn't even end up getting it um but that was sort of the belief of like the expectation was getting a day one ds rolls around the expectation was top 100. The goal was probably like top 20. Um, and then Vogue rolls around and it sort of keeps stepping up and stepping up. And now, I mean, going forward in the Witch Queen, I think our ex- expectation is probably about the same as what Vogue would have been, which is like, okay, like be a top 10 team and our goal be world's first our goal for vog was absolutely world's first like we knew we we could get it um we just had to execute we had to play as good as we possibly could have be as you know as good as possible uh in terms of our teammates and how we like performed with each other 
our communication had to be as best as possible. Like we had to all be in good moods, you know, it's like things do have the stars do have to align a little bit um, to get the sort of first clear. Cause I mean, something wrong happening and that might be the thing that undoes your, you know, your clear, you could lose 20 minutes from one mistake. Uh, so it's, it's just about playing as, as like perfectly as possible, flawless execution um, we absolutely believed we could do it, um, but we didn't. I don't think any of us really thought, and we, we said this in the um, the twelve interview we had. But at least for Slap and myself, um, I think after we got Worlds first in the first clear and we were running it back, we were like, "Okay, like this is it. This is when we're going to get Worlds first. That's pretty awesome. Wow, that's incredible. And other than that, um, what was the experience like to go through the race and getting to that final encounter? What was going through your mind? I mean, day ones are always such a blast. Like, I mean, even even some of the terrible stories I have from previous ones, I still sort of look at them fondly um, just because it's sort of like the ultimate thing. And it's like, I like participating in it. Um, but I mean, we were like, we were doing really well throughout the entire raid up until gatekeepers on the challenge mode. Before that, uh, I think I did the, I don't remember exactly, but I, when I was editing down like my video of the full clear, they'd only get the encounters that we actually successfully did. So it ended up being like an hour video instead of a four hour video. Um, I think it was something like 40% of our time in that full clear from both first and second clear were spent on gatekeeper challenge and Atheon challenge just like that was almost half of the raid so the other half was like pretty easy for us we were sort of stomping our way through it like i don't think we had anything past three wipes on any of the encounters including the beginning of the challenge ones but uh, gatekeeper had us stuck for quite a while it was a little over an hour and i think that's when more doubt started to creep into our minds of like like we're choking, we're 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 messing this up right now. We need like the pressure's on us right now. We we don't know we're the leading team, but we have a strong belief that we're the leading team. We don't want to throw this opportunity away because like we may never get another chance at this. So getting yeah, through gatekeeper like, was a yeah. huge thing for us. It was like motivating your guys yourselves too to like you know rise above it basically. Yeah, and yeah. I think that's where the old day one sort of felt like it was coming back because most day ones, you're going to have a sticking point for last wish. It's it's fault, right? It's like, that's the spot that, that dropped uh, the 3% people that were there to 0.002%, right? It's like, there's always something like that. And the gatekeeper challenge, at least just trying to figure it out, that felt exactly like any other day one that we've done where it's like, 
I don't know what we're doing wrong and we need to figure out what it is fast. And it's starting to like aggravate people. Like, why is this not working? Like someone goes in now and now we get the challenge failed and we killed them before. And now it's not, it's like, it was confusing. That's where the stress sort of builds. Um, it even happened on Atheon a couple of times where, you know, we have some careless death or something like that, or like, we're not making call outs for what side we're on right away. And, Everyone starts to get a little more antsy because and we're, we're experiencing nerves because we don't want to fail, right? We want, we know how close we are. Um, I, yeah. For me, I can say when we're on the, um, I was outside, I was standing on the plate, on Mars plate, on our final phase of Atheon. He had like 20% left or something like that. And I was just, like letting Quaz do his callouts, the people inside were shooting him, and I'm just sitting there in my brain, just reflecting. Please make it through this. Please make it through this. We just need damage. We just, like just get us to damage. Break the oracles. Just get us to damage. I knew we'd have it. That twenty seconds felt like five An eternity, minutes. right? <laughs> it was just I was just sitting yeah. there waiting, waiting for my heart to just drop because someone shot the rock oracle or something like that. And I'm like I just. I didn't want to see that happen. Um, but then, like, I don't know, like, Guardians make their own fate. I see that come up, and I'm like, Times Dungeons pops, and I'm like, I don't even know what I did. I just kind of ran forward, not really knowing exactly what I'm doing. It was like a second of, I'm playing like a bot. Like, I don't know. What, I'm just, like, moving around, like, oh, yeah, yeah, you gotta, I got to do this, right? We're almost there. We're like, it was so overwhelming, that, like, two seconds. Yeah, I think I it kind of reminds me of that one time when I did a flawless Garden of Salvation. By the time I got to the end, after like the third attempt, after like failing twice, I was finally at the boss and you're like right at the end and like something kicks in and you almost like lose every sense of reality, right? Mm -hmm. And the only thing that's in between you is you and that encounter and your hands are shaking and like you're just in turbo mode and you're just go, go, go. And you're performing on a whole new level where it's like you're shooting faster, you're moving faster. And it's like, it, it's, it's an incredible thing. And it happens very rarely, at least for me, but uh, I can definitely feel that moment for you. And it's just like, it's kind of surreal thinking back and like experiencing that and trying like reliving it because I'm probably not even doing it justice in terms of how I felt like my heart just, I mean, I could like feel it exactly. I like this. I don't think it'll be a moment that I ever forget is actually sitting on that portal waiting and then actually killing Atheon on the left side. Like I just like, just we were like that whole 20 seconds is something I've just, it's just a, moment in my brain <laughs> it's like so what was the feeling afterwards after you beat atheon how'd you well, how'd you feel we kill him and it's sort of like a panic killer right it's like we're like just like come on kill him we're clicking super fast where we're just like please kill him we see him like start disintegrating we're like let's go like we're all like freaking out um we get to the tabo chest i'm making sure i don't orbit us before mission complete you know, I wait for that. Oh, interact. Oh, what do we need to do? No, no, no. Just get us to orbit. Um, it was <laughs> yeah, a bit of mayhem right. and chaos. Yeah. 
we get to orbit and I remember this. It's it's funny looking back on it because I didn't know, but like Quaz starts reading something and my game hasn't like loaded it yet. And then it pops up with the world's first. It shows the belt. And then it's like the little description of whatever, like congrats. Bungie's going to be looking at like all the teams who complete it and like verifying it. And my brain just read world's first and I saw the belt and I f- screamed like world's f-, like we got it. Like I was like, that showed just, up in game yeah it's like um that's that's crazy that's cool you know sometimes it's like uh you load into on a tuesday and yeah like then the, you get the, the these, gradient bar and it's like go see yeah. zavala to talk about some weird thing yeah. Yeah. yeah it's like that thing pops up like right after beating it that's pretty and, like quaz cool. is reading it and i just like see it when mine pops up and i'm just like what the heck and then i look at chat and like the chat's like saying like like you got it i watched back the um the stream that professor brumman did of the uh of like the clear and like yeah it was like salt stream there and i was like yeah like i don't know that was that was it but i didn't necessarily know it was it i just thought it was it did anybody then, get a vex at all no on the first no, thing? no one what? Got nobody it. got a vex oh man no. <laughs> do you have a vex now I do have a Vex. I got okay. it last week. So I got oh. it on my, like, 14th clear. Oh, jeez. Wow. I got one before is, you did. Oh, man. Yeah, that, that's not surprising. Rip. I got my, one of my, my Anarchy took 86 wow. clears. 88 clears. Oh, 80, Why wow. did Anarchy take so long for people? I got mine on my fourth try, I think. It's only the good... Well, not that Vex. Well, yeah. <laughs> it's only the good ones. And that it's is like, exactly uh, why... I was rubbing it in to Shadow Price for getting his anarchy yeah. so quickly, and then I was like, "Yeah, I got my vex." Yeah, he got his vex before me. I got mine like two weeks ago, <laughs> um, myself. But yeah, That's yeah, really and cool, then though. Um, just for that, I mean, the next like hour, two hours, like we're just refreshing Twitter. We're like in chats, like Salt had like a like he had like he had, like. I don't know, like 12,000, 14,000 viewers at one point, which is oh, like nice. crazy for us. I mean, how fast did it take for your channel to blow up? <laughs> well, I mean, I don't really think any of ours experienced much like blow up. I mean, my Twitch channel had, I think, like 130 people, but like Salts was sort of like our, our team's stream sort of thing. Um, I want to say throughout the like beginning of the raid he probably was at like the like 200 range and then we're the first place team now he's at like 8,000 then like 10,000 and I mean like yeah it's uh it's crazy like thinking there's that many people are watching they'll be watching you next time too So so let's talk about something slightly different what makes a raid timeless and iconic in your mind? It's a tough thing to sort of depict because, I don't know, I guess in, it would be in my opinion. Um, I, th- I mean, the experience is everything, so it has to be something sort of triumphant. You know, you have to overcome something. I almost think of like a cliche, like movie something or like, you know, some other picture of like a team of people like climbing a hill and then planting a flag. It's like 
there has to be some moment like that where you overcome something that you weren't necessarily sure that you were going to be able to beat to sort of give you that that overwhelming satisfaction and just validation of your time put in your effort and it can be the other way around too like i think crown is timeless for people being on the final boss for eight hours and not being able to kill him you know like that sort of same feeling is there but it's like the other way around it's like the negative version of it but both make the experience memorable um the other thing is the sort of like what's the raid boss like i i think the raid bosses are important uh, I frankly, I don't really care about random Minotaur number 62, Sanctified Mind, as much as I do orcs. Like, orcs for me will always, well, at least for now, is my. I was thinking orcs. My, yeah. He's like the ultimate raid boss. He's like the most intimidating. He's the one that I've been led on about with the lore for so long. Like, obviously, the raids lead up and. And like the first couple encounters are important. Um, and I mean, for something like DSC, Atrax was that moment that make that makes it memorable compared to Tanix. Um, so it doesn't necessarily have to be the final boss, but it has to be something that sort of you get stuck on for a bit. You're able to be, you know, you're able to accomplish triumph over or fail at and have that be your sort of thing that you remember. Um, and then I think the boss and like the music help, you know. It's like if you can, if even for Crota for me, that like He's, when he spawns will be special just, to me and memorable just because of that atmosphere that environment yeah, Vogue has that eerie music. sort of music that sort yeah. of comes and goes and when you're fighting things it's it's, it's like not a always there in a way like it's um, yeah yeah so it's like sometimes you're just like you're just clearing ads and you're like oh there's no, like there's like no music right now and then you're walking through the gorgons and then they're my or like you're traversing somewhere and it sort of picks up again and it gives that mood of like exploring but also eerie like you aren't sure you're uncomfortable mm -hmm. then you have sound uh soundtracks like axis where it's like super triumphant like overcoming something very hectic chaotic um that sort of like builds and builds as it keeps going um valcour is i think a really great example of what good music can be for a raid boss i think valcour's music it's like one of the best raid boss musics or like soundtracks even um, orcs is when you go inside the um the shade and you fight that mm -hmm. like that that music is also a banger <laughs> so <laughs> like yeah yeah for me i think music is super important i know some people don't like raid with music or like play with it um oh, i can understand I, playing without music but for me it's like uh it's weird um well maybe it's not weird it's probably more like just basic human psychology but that music sometimes will give me an, an extreme, like, overwhelming emotion. Um, 
it based off you. of what I remember doing. It connects like you to that I hear that moment in time. I, I yeah, like, I feel it, and yeah. like I get goosebumps. Like yeah. hearing regicide, oh, I yeah. will always get like goosebumps from it, and just I just have that feeling, and like to me, that's like the perfect sound for it. Um, I don't think. DSC had as much memorable things because oh, Tanix is back. I don't really care about killing Tanix a third, fourth, eighth thousandth time. Um, and I also don't feel like there was that scary, ominous sort of presence that's an, a boss like Oryx elicits. Or, yeah, I agree with that. I mean, even Atheon. I, I think because I think for me, the Vault of Glass, it it may not be the best designed environment. Like, I think that the Wrath of the Machine did a really excellent job with the overall design of the entire raid. But And the encounters. The encounters are great in Wrath. They're, well, they're, yeah, the encounters are great, fun. too. But I think Vault of Glass is probably the best balanced raid, and I think it has the best flow overall of any raid. Um, I think that every encounter that you do, it gets progressively harder and the Gorgon's Maze, I think that's a really, really cool encounter that it feels very special. Like, it, it, I remember going through the Gorgon's Maze and farming for Ascendant Shards and so, so many years ago. But I think that was really fun, or going down that first chest, trying to get Vex Mythic Class, not Vex, I'm sorry, the Gowerhorn, like those were really cool moments. Plus, that, remember you'd sign in on your three characters, uh, oh go man. hit that first chest in the pit, try. and then they fixed it. And then they fixed it, and yeah. they fixed it right after I got my Gallerhorn. So take that, Bungie. I got you. Didn't work. <laughs> they were too yeah, late. It, yeah, it's it's those uh, in between phases in the raid, like even uh, King's Fall when you're jumping on the tomb ships and that eerie music plays in the background too yeah. it's like very ethereal and and it's just you know it, that's some of the special sauce that bungie has that they add into the in, into these raids I like think that bungie, makes them special and memorable i think bungie is best at the music in the game i think they do so so well um that uh, you can't really touch destiny when it comes to the music or the art design i think they are the masters at both of those things shooting's pretty good too i want to say this before someone in the comment section is like hey you, you forgot about deep stone lullaby like that's the iconic thing like yeah i get i get and this sort of is touching back to what we're talking about here bungie is i remember watching or listening to something this was a while back but one of the raid designers was talking about why an encounter like gorgons exists and it's like essentially he sort of described it as like a pace setter and a tone setter. You go from killing this boss and now it just stops. And then I think you Luke move Smith forward, said that. I think drop. Luke. Yeah. Yeah. I, I remember that. that. And then that. now you're in this mysterious place. There's these things walking around. There's no music going on. And you're just sort of like moving. And it's your downtime between encounters to mm -hmm. sort of like talk about what you got or just I mean, in a day one sense to be sort of like wow like it just 
feel in the moment of be like, where are we? What are we doing? Like, it's, it's just so cool. And I think this might be a bit nostalgia, like red or rose tinted glasses, just because I, it's the first raid. I'm, I feel like I would think this way if any other raid was also it, but the thing that's very memorable for me with Vogue is the times where you aren't actually doing anything and you have that Venus background music when you're just exploring. Like that's sort of the the sort of vibe I, I get from it, which I think is something Bungie did extremely well in their first raid. And honestly, I don't think there's many other raids that have matched it, um, at least in in my opinion, of how sort of the in-between counters made you feel. 100% agree with that. Um, yeah, very you know, well said. Yeah, Venus is my favorite location in all of Destiny because um, I just love the way it looks, like the, the vegetation, the mu- the music. The music is such a big sticking point for me. Like, that is what made me, like, fall in love with Destiny, I feel like. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like fighting on that, you know, location with the vex and you know the vex became my favorite enemy race you know because of that music the the title track called the vex it's the archon priest strike the archon priest strike when you go top yeah when that music kicks in (laughs) like it's just it's those special moments and like you said yeah they plays in the background so it like you have that connection and that's what's and that's what was missing when destiny 2 first came out and then I think Bungie realized that, like, look, we have all this amazing content from Destiny 1, and we're not honoring it. Why don't we do it justice and bring it back for players to experience once again? hmm You know, so. I mean, I just think about, like, could you imagine, like, the moon music on Venus? Could you imagine the, I don't know, the IO music on uh, Earth? Like, it's like Bungie's really good at making sounds fit their location the moon with the hive is a little more erratic a little more like fingernails on a chalkboard sort of scary yeah. compared to venus and i mean nessus to i'd say a little bit lesser extent has the sort of like ominous scary feel where it's like more of the unknown is what's scary and that's what the music makes you feel yeah yeah, I really, really want well Witch Queen to sort of make that sort of, that same sort of feeling wherever we are, that that unique, distinct sound that you can sort of be like, that's X place. That's I I know when I heard this, I know when I sort of felt that sort of like yeah. that terror of that like exactly. that fearfulness. So Cruz, I don't know about you, but Shadow Price and I, we have kind of a tradition every time that a new raid comes out pretty much day one, we end up getting sushi and that's like raid sushi, Mm -hmm. right? Do you have your thing, what you eat when the new raid comes out? Do you have your own little tradition? You know, I don't, I don't think I've, I have anything specific. Um, I guess something we do have, um, this isn't necessarily raid related, but when a new season comes out, usually we'll have like a clan movie night and that's sort of like our kickoff to the new season. But, um, no, for day ones, I honestly don't have anything. 
Fair. I'm boring. <laughs> I just kind of make whatever. So, Cruz, in addition to being a Atheon slaying machine, you're also a content creator. Tell us about your journey as a Destiny content creator and some of the things that you hope to accomplish with your channel. Well, I'd say my sort of hallmark at this point is just the guide person for Lomans. Um, because, I don't know, that's like my my main thing. I didn't necessarily make the channel for any particular reason, at least for, for YouTube. Um, I just sort of wanted to put out my own content and be like, I wanted to have a place to like show my accomplishments. Then that sort of led into, I was talking with a buddy of mine, I was like, I don't really think there's really anyone out there who shows people how to do low mans. Because that's something why I honestly in part wanted to join the clan that I did is because I'd saw I saw like Glad and Sweat, Two Man, Callus, and like someone do like Two Man Argos, like back in the day. And I was like I kind of wanted to be in a community where that was like, it's like someone could show me the ropes. Um, when I became comfortable with that, and I feel like at this point I can go into any sort of long man and just sort of like get it done. I have done that many of them. Um, like two man Atheon, I could probably go do it and beat it within an hour with like one of like someone who I'm like familiar with. But like a lot of people don't have that luxury. So I wanted to sort of make guides on how to how to do them, like because a lot of people don't have that person to go to to help them explain, like, wait, what should I use for damage here? What should? Oh, this is happening. Why? Why is this happening? Is there a way, like, you know, this ogre keeps spawning and killing us? Like, how should we like beat that? And like like I said earlier, no one really, unless you know someone, it's a very difficult thing to get into. So I started making the my low man series guides where basically any, any boss that would show up on a raid report, I, I make a guide for it within a week of it coming out. Sometimes like for Tanix, it's like, Oh, we know how to three man it. All right. Three man Tanix videos coming out. Oh, two man's figured out. Okay. Time to make a two man guide. Um, so yeah, I mean, what I want to accomplish with it, I think it's what I've already sort of accomplished is just like sharing it, like getting, when I see the view counts go up, it means that I'm helping more people. I don't necessarily get the sort of, oh, I'm more popular sort of feeling. other Because, I mean, I'm a teacher, essentially, on that channel. Like, my goal is to show with that series, you know, how to do these things. Because, really, they I don't think they're that difficult. So, yeah, I think I've accomplished it. Um, but every new raid, every new boss, like I haven't done a solo Templar yet because I've been away from my computer for a while, but that might be something I make a guide on because like for me, low manning is outside of the day one. It's the best part of destiny and it's something that n not many people do, whether they don't know about it or they're just too afraid of it. They don't know what to do. That's sort of where I kind of step in. I was like, here, I'll, I'll show you how to do it. Yeah, no, that's really well said. And so on a slightly different topic, um, if you can go anywhere in the universe and beyond, where would you want to go at, during Lightfall? 
that's tough. I mean, I would really like Destiny to evolve, which I think it will. I really hope it does, at least with the sort of like alliances that we're sort of making this past year. Um, I want to have a new Destiny experience with sort of like new enemies, new areas, just a lot of like something I really miss about seven years ago when I didn't know anything about the game is the fact that I didn't know anything. I wasn't familiar fighting captains. I wasn't familiar fighting minotaurs or wizards. Like everything else was so new and like unique. And that's all I want Lightfall to be is just something that delivers that fresh new environment of, I don't know this, like almost, almost like a new game sort of feel in terms of the atmosphere it brings. Where it's like new enemies, new music, new location, just a bunch of overwhelming baseline new things. Where we go, it doesn't matter. For me, as long as it's a cool looking location, I'm happy. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's really well said. And on that note, what is next for you? What do you hope to achieve next on your journey? Playing my destiny career. Um, I mean, I think it's really when when you sort of reach the top. I just at this point, it's about staying there. So in terms of raid races and things like that day ones i want to accomplish more i know i'm capable of accomplishing more and you know it's sort of a bit of a tainted thing that it's oh it's fog it doesn't count because it's a new raid there's always those asterisks that people claim dsc had the same thing but i would like to show in upcoming raids that like our team is really good and to get more worlds first i think it's possible i think i think it'll happen i think we will we are like we're gonna win one of the next ones as well is there any other game that you like want to do that with you want to like reach for like the end game like do everything like when it comes to when it comes to like i don't know maybe not worlds first or anything like that. But is there another game you feel that passionate about to achieve like all those reaching goals? that like top 1% yeah. sort of thing? Yeah. Um I don't think there's another game currently that I feel that with. Um because one thing about Destiny and the type of game it is is that it can I've talked about this with a couple of friends before, but my ideal Destiny is a game that I never have to put down and there's no other game that I need because destiny is my ultimate game. So I don't think there'll ever be another game that I commit to as much as destiny other than truly a new thing, like truly something that either like Bungie's new game that they're making. If it's more of what I want from destiny and it's a similar game, then yeah, I'll try and do that in the new game. Um, but I mean, I'm just sort of someone who likes shooters, so I'll play. I'm really looking forward. Yeah. I'm a huge Mm -hmm. Halo fan. I've played thousands of hours of each, each of them, but dating back to the original Xbox. So 
obviously Halo Infinite I'm super excited about. The game's looking a lot the, better now, too. It, it looks a, a lot better. I don't want to get yeah. too excited, but I'm very excited. Um, yes. And I am a very big fan of Battlefield 3 and 4. And I really hope that the new Battlefield brings back the sort of things that made 3 and 4 my favorite games to play at the time. Um, yeah, Those are the two games I'm really looking forward to playing. I don't necessarily know if I can consider myself like, you know, like at the same status for Destiny compared to those games. They're just different sort of games, but right. um, they're definitely on my radar. Nice. <laughs> definitely what I'm looking forward to, because there's going to be a bit of a down period coming up for Destiny where we're just sort of waiting until Witch Queen. And oh, there's I'm, definitely going to be a down I'm period. I'm really hoping that in... Infinite and... Uh, October Battlefield are, are able to sort of like fill that, yeah. Because when the new Metroid game comes, that's that's the down period. That for me. too, yeah. yeah. So, Guardians, what an awesome interview with Cruz! Thank you so much for sharing your journey and reliving the memories of doing the Vault of Glass raid day one completion yet again. Uh, so that was really cool to hear about that, and thank you for sharing that. Um, I do want to move on to a couple more things tonight. Um, we have the Grandmaster Nightfalls that are out right now. So I don't know if anyone had a chance to experience the Grandmaster Nightfalls. And then I believe next week or in two weeks, we have the Master Raids that are coming out. And of course, we get the opportunity to finish up our Fate Breaker title I don't know if either of you are chasing after that title. I'm sure, Cruz, did you already have that title done? I'm just waiting for Masters, though. You're waiting for Masters, so that's all you have left. Okay. I I think I've had it for, like, three weeks, just waiting. (laughs) And Shadow Price, what about you? I think I'm halfway. I think I, what is it, was it 10 out of 22? So I got some more to accomplish. There's a few I can knock off, like... When the next coming week or two, all uh, arc raid, <laughs> yeah, all arc I, under crashes is pretty fun. By the way, I recommend doing that. Yeah, I just got two left to do for arc. I think it's just gatekeeper and Atheon, and uh, six under crashes yeah. flying into Atheon. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> done. It's, it's fun. <laughs> see a bunch of titans flying around. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's where I'm at. Yeah, I'm almost there. I have the challenge to do this week. Um, So that's going to be something that I will work on probably this weekend. And then I think I have the clan raid that I have to do, but we need more clan members to do that. So if anyone's looking for a clan, the destiny show is looking for clan members. Hey, uh, shameless call out there. Um, But uh, other than that, um, I started a new podcast. So that's been kind of time consuming. Um, yeah that's a whole nother topic that we're not going to go into um but yeah we have the new raid is is out and um have you had a chance to play through the challenge mode this week uh cruz i haven't no you have not uh, okay there'll probably be something i do this weekend okay what's the challenge time. this week is it is it a templar or uh oracles um, I, I don't even know what it is i want to say templar right because last week was the oracles been two. Last, it should be templar last week was conflux so, right 
Oh, no, there's Conflux, right? Oh, then it's Oracle Sun. If it's an order, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Interesting. Well, nonetheless, um, something that we do have to complete, and most of the other completions I feel like are fairly easy to do, like all arc completion, all void, all solar, and then the same subclass, you have to do like a clan completion. So, I mean, very basic things. It seems like Bungie is making the titles much more easier easier to obtain certainly since season of opulence for example when i mean to get the shadow title that was intense shadow was actually a good seal once upon a time and now it's well now it's unattainable but when the moment they increased the cap and shadow keep the seal just became irrelevant because you could go into heroic menagerie and it wouldn't be hard yeah i remember that now is I was pretty much like I got all of those done pretty much in the season of opulence when everything was really, really difficult. And yeah. I think you're totally right. They they completely ruined the relevance of that seal. They should have retired it much earlier after season of opulence ended. And I, I think they should have a pursuit available for players like yourself who maybe want to challenge themselves and in the end get a title for it and i feel like this season they kind of took it away in a way by making the fate breaker title so much easier to obtain i mean i don't really their replacement to making seals more accessible is the gilded seals be like oh the, here are sweaty players go grind out gambit if you want to like show how uh, how you got the cool title, um, I don't blame them for trying to make it more accessible. Because for the average player, like getting that purple thing is going to feel really good. So I understand it from that aspect. But I mean, yeah, I think back to like the Forsaken Vidoc, and it was like, yeah, the Chronicler, that guy's a super lore expert, or like you know you have to go <laughs> grind out a bunch of like different activities to get all the lore items like that's sort of something that i think matters it's like oh it's really cool but then i mean it kind of gets devalued over time fair enough that definitely you know makes a valid point so in terms of the gilded title what exactly do you have to do to complete that and how does that work because i i don't know if i ever tried to get the gilded title so I guess they vary per activity. Um, usually they're honestly pretty easy. So it's like if you have a dredgen, let's say each new season, you can get the gilded dredgen version, which is like uh, it's like win uh, 50 games, yeah. um, complete a match, banking the most moats, getting the most invader kills or not dying like 30 times, um, getting x amount of kills of the fusion rifle resetting your infamy it's sort of like things like that like it's it's more of a time commitment rather than a challenging activity thing but usually for i mean they've only gilded the seals that are from like the core playlists let's say so like trials grandmaster nightfalls crucible and then gambit there isn't like a curse breaker one where you have to go complete uh 
a prof or not a prophecy, um, a shattered throne on a harder difficulty. That's sort of something I would like to see them do because I think that adds difficulty and like breathes life like back a, into the activity too. Yeah, I mean, just like something, something yeah. challenging to go do again because as 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 hard as Grandmaster Nightfalls may be, they're they're kind of boring uh, when you've done a lot of them. <laughs> you get to a point where you get the drops, you've done it so many times and at that point the, your challenge kind of ends and i think that's one of the problems that bungie has had for quite some time now right they give you a pinnacle pursuit that takes quite a bit of effort to complete and finish but then once you get that item there's nothing left to play there's nothing next and in certain situations bungie has been known to make previous season's weapons irrelevant and they seem to be moving away from that um idea or way of thinking i think uh removing sunsetting definitely shows that level of commitment to preserving the weapons that you acquire from season to season yeah i mean i think this is something I've kind of experienced through other games. I think something that the division does really well is the ability to upgrade your gear um, with rare materials. So instead of, I guess, masterworking is the equivalent, but masterworking for most endgame players is holding down mouse one 10 times. It's like the, the materials aren't necessarily that difficult to get. You don't really have. And then I don't know. It's it's just something that is very limited um, yeah. But I think like upgrading your stat from, let's say, a 64 to a 70 base by getting five Ascendant Shards, um, uh, 50 Spoils of Conquest, like things like that. If you had to go through and have that just to get this, just for the endgame players, like, like the top players to, I don't know, this is someone, someone's going to say this is, Oh, this is the rich get richer sort of thing. But I just think it's something that you add, you add depth to the game because I think Bun or Destiny is a fairly um, shallow game. It's very wide, but it's it's not very deep um, compared to um, other games that are kind of similar to it. Um, like I think uh, like Valheim, I think has something similar, um, which sort of gives more meaning to weapons and armor. Uh, I th I really wish Destiny would just copy it. I understand why they don't, um, or at least I think I do. Um, but yeah, I really I would just love for there to be more. We more need a weapons two like, Just yeah, just like if for weapons, let's say it's like oh, I get five more adept uh, Uzumes. Am I saying that right? Let's say I am. Um, now I can combine all five of them or all four of the others plus the one that I want to keep into giving me a second perk slot that I can switch to or a, or a fourth barrel option or a fourth mag option. Like, and then you actually be able to put the barrel on it and it look different. That's what I would like. Well, you know, that would be like, really cool. Um, yeah, like like they do like, in the division, right? Yeah. yeah and like um, I think the uh, Call of Duty like gunsmith sort of thing is a really great version of what it could be i don't see destiny ever becoming that just because i think it's a 
I'd rather them work on other things. I'd rather them work on PvE things. Granted, I would like the guns to sort of change. I think it's something that's unique about scopes is that that how they can sort of change how the gun looks. But yeah. ultimately, it's all about for a game like Destiny. It's all about its content. Um, but yeah, I think uh, like you said, like weapons 2.0 thing. I just think that if they added a little bit more depth to our characters gear and made it pretty hard to acquire that stuff, it'll it'll make playing the game more regularly feel more meaningful and like more impactful on the game instead of just hoping that I get a dream bane gauntlet with the right distribution. Because as much as people like to just fall upon like a god roll every now and then, it's incredibly draining to be someone who pursues it and never gets it compared to something that's completely RNG. So I think I don't want to ramble for too long, but like back in House of Wolves, like the the reforging, you know, people would just reforge and get a god rule uh winters. So obviously that's something similar that was implemented, but just it was too easy. You could you could reroll something a hundred times. I think if something was similar to that aspect where you'd get another perk column or something like that, where you could choose something, if you put a lot of effort into it, you could choose a specific perk to get. Of the like, oh, if I really wanted one for all, but I never got it, I could earn getting one for all on this weapon. Just something that's what people thought that adept weapons would end up being like, you'd be able to add another perk slot, like, you know, like to the end or something. That's something I think it's something that they when they added that in uh, the original Umbrals, I thought that was a really like cool addition. Um, Yeah, it's sort of like a more rare thing now. Um, I think they're afraid of it being too easy to get God rolls. Um, but I'll say I've rolled, I don't know, a hundred extraordinary renditions and have never gotten one with the, uh, with outlaw one for all, which is one that I wanted. I could say that about a million other guns and I am someone, I know I'm a very minority type of person to do, to want this compared to the rest of the the community, but I would be someone who would play a bunch just to sort of refine my weapon to make it a bit better, a bit more unique to what I want it to be. Yeah, yeah that's that's really yeah. well said. And moving on to a slightly different topic, what would you say is the best way for anyone who's still trying to reach level 1335 so they can play the Grandmaster Nightfalls. Do you guys have any tips to get to that level? Well, bounties are going to help you because you're going to need a plus 15 artifact. So def- there's a lot of things. It's like, oh, bounty goblining is so bad for the game and things like that. That is true. I hate having being able to stack up bounties because I think it devalues with the purpose of the artifact. But if you're going to go raid, grabbing or checking to see if Zavala has a bounty for killing 20 enemies with grenades is something you can do really easily. Um, so those little things do add up. Um, the seasonal challenges, um, while they're not as good as they were last season, are a really good way to level up. Um, and then at least the artifact level. And then for power leveling 
there isn't really much more you can do than just doing your pinnacles. At least, I don't think there is. That's what yeah. I would say. Yeah, I think after you get to a certain point, it's pretty much having to go through pinnacles. Um, I also think that uh, there are a few things that you can get in the season ladder, uh, depending on how leveled up it is. Um, it's not as much as it was last season. I think they really made it more difficult to take advantage of the seasonal ladder to help you level up, but also you're only leveling up plus 10 this season. So I understand the reasoning behind that's why that. They took it out of there. Yeah, yeah that's, like. that's why they did it. But there are a few things you can get from that. So don't forget, I think there's like an exotic you can get and a few other things uh, when you're like halfway through the ladder. Also your seasonal challenges. Don't forget about your seasonal challenges because they will level you up very fast. And uh, that will help your seasonal leveling. Um, so if you haven't taken advantage of that, um, definitely make sure you get those done. Um, other than that, um, I think playing the... Shared wisdom, make sure you turn them in when you're with somebody on a fire team. Yeah, shared in, wisdom, in that's, another, that's another thing. And make sure you have... Blinding light on your ghost. Your, you your know, XP you boost, that. blinding ghost, yep. And yeah. then other than that, make sure you, you strategically level up like go to dim and take a look at your overall light level. And if you're really close to getting a bump to the next level, like let's say if you need a point two, then you should probably do a pinnacle activity that will give you a plus two drop. There are different tiers, right? Um, I believe crucible Vanguard and um, Gambit. Gambit, they give you a plus one. Mm -hmm. uh, and then you have certain activities like the dungeons and nightfalls, nightfalls yeah. uh, but it's it's the, the 100k nightfall. We got to stress that. They give you like plus twos. They give you a plus right. twos along with uh, Hawthorne if you are in a clan. So there's a benefit to being in a clan as well uh, in that regard. So leveling shouldn't be that Iron difficult. Banner. And Pinnacles. we have Iron Banner coming back. Iron Banner is coming back, I believe, next week. So that will be another opportunity for you to level up. And once you get there, let's talk about something else. And that is Shadow Price's favorite strike available this week, the Glassway. Who's excited? The Great Strike. It's hard. <laughs> I hear crickets. I hear crickets. Nobody's excited about the Glassway strike. Let's talk about it. So what's why? Why is it so difficult? That's, uh, I think, there's <laughs> a couple factors. Um, Just a couple. There's like, I don't know, there's just, the layout of it is very challenging, right? With Especially in the boss room, because like that, <laughs> like the wyverns will just chase you, and the, the transcendent hydro will chase you as well, and just like sit in one of the sides, and when you're rotating around, he's just chilling there. Um, there's so many snipers. I think that what makes it actually kind of difficult is, um, like vandals and well, a lot of, um, fallen are arc based damage stuff, um, with the solar explosions while for Vex, it's more solar and void with the void being explosion. So it's sort of hard to like match up the damage types with your armor. If you want to use a resistance, you might want to use a void, but then throughout the 
first 70% of the strike, 80% of the strike, you're going to be taking more damage than you could be if you're using an arc one. But then, you know, fight vice versa. You get to the hardest part, you're in the boss room, and now wyverns are like one-shotting you. So it's I think it's a mixture of the different enemy types and just, I mean, there there isn't a lot of cover in a lot of areas. It's pretty open. Uh, no, there's not. And the dead, those Templars, they hurt. Like, they're their blast hurts like their their projectile blast mm-hmm. like it could take you down almost to like nothing right away protective light is like your friend i'm glad they finally sold protective i'm glad ada great. finally sold that mod like a week or two ago ada's like, been helping out everyone because yeah basically wasn't selling any of these and then no ada he wasn't he and wasn't. now it's i, now checked, I know because i checked every day last season and he did not sell that I think she felt bad about the synth strands and all the controversy with that. (laughs) Yeah. So on a slightly different topic, what mods would be the most effective to go against a grueling nightfall like the Glassway? Breaching clear. Staples like uh, (laughs) Breaching Clear for sure. Shadow Price said earlier, Protective Light is absurdly strong. Um, Mm-hmm. Don't sleep on things like recuperation. It's on solar boots. When you pick up an orb, you get a chunk of health back. You pick up a lot of orbs, especially when you use taking charge. So that's something I'd recommend using. I think it's a bit underrated. Active light doesn't stack, right? You only put it on one piece. Um, no, yeah, one piece, and then depending on how many stacks you have, that's the duration. So one stack is five seconds. Two stacks is ten seconds, etc. And if you have, like, the stack on stacks, uh, that will probably help, right? Yeah, one orb will give you 10 seconds of protective instead of five. One thing that's really good about protective and something that's kind of broken about it is that it it stays on after you regen. So, like, that's why if you you had a times four charge and you got to 20 seconds, I think you can do that, and you get crit and then heal, you'll still have, like, 14 seconds of absurd damage resistance. Even though you're not crit anymore. It's That's great. Can you like pair that with like I, I know this isn't the optimum like you know build to use, but Omnioculus, you know, you can make people invisible and you get a damage resistance like yeah, with that. I think, that. Yeah, I'm pretty sure all like the damage resistance stacks or most of them do. Um Mm-hmm. You know, it's funny, they they nerfed our, our buffs and debuffing stacking, and they might have to nerf our uh our own character strength a little bit because we're pretty strong right now in terms of staying alive. Yeah. Um, yeah. Protective light stacks is good. Um, what else? I mean, blinding grenade launchers. They're, they're so good against wyverns as well because they immediately just stop them and they just sit there and open up. So oh, yeah. I'd highly rec- recommend using blinding GLs. That's actually something we use on our day one and then like, that's another thing that I kind of think might need a bit of tweaking. They're they're probably a little too strong right now. Um, the geomags, uh, geomags are good. Um, I would say like depending on what you're running, um, you can never have. Uh, you can have too many well of radiances a little bit, but I mean, yeah, Ursa's always a great strategy um 
What I will say, though, is something. Um, I find a lot of players are a little... They kind of play a little too scared in GMs. And that ends up actually costing them because they're not able to capitalize on a lot of situations. Um, so my recommendation would actually to be like just to obviously, you know, have to, you know, position yourself accordingly, use cover properly. Um, but don't be afraid to capitalize on a weak enemy to get a kill to then take over a new spot or, or kill something that's pushing you or something like that. Yeah. And use your supers to generate orbs. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, don't just Better sit on a super. Use, use your it. super and then die rather than not use your super and die. Right. Yeah. Right. If, 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 if shit's hitting the fan, just just use your super. Because if you really yeah. need to, you can just wait. <laughs> and fire off all your ammo, like, if you have to, because you'll yes. get it. Spam your Xenophage, make a Warmind Cell with Rathra Speed, and then blow it up and kill the whole room. Easy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what about any special weapons are there any particular weapons that you want to bring into a grandmaster nightfall obviously anarchy with breach and clear would be a go-to but what else would you recommend bringing in to such a difficult challenge i said earlier like you got blinding gls um divinity with two izanagi players is incredibly strong and will always be strong so long as izzy stays the same way as it is um that sort of one two combo um it, it just works so well you can do so much damage in an instant and the fact that there are overloads in glassway makes divinity actually a pretty good option um so yeah i definitely recommend that um makes sense for sure honestly i think like if you wanted to um you could do like blinding gl izzy machine gun or something like that and have like two people on special ammo finishers and then you've got your other izzy with whatever bow overload or anti-barrier scout whatever it may be and then with divinity you've got your other guy so you can kind of do Something like that, where one person runs double special, so you have that blinding GL um, with the Izzy's. And, I mean, that's a pretty good setup right there. That's very cool. So between the Hunter, the Warlock, and the Titan, which subclass would you say is the most optimal to bring into a Grandmaster Nightfall? Generally, I mean, Well of Radiance, uh, Heart of the Pack, Invis, and then Code of the Commander for the, like, blocking with Ursas. Those are definitely the the meta of what I'd call GMs. Um, but don't be... I guess it's sort of, like, tagging on to my earlier point. Like, don't be afraid to use, like, a, a damage-type super. Like, uh, like Geomags uh, with Chaos Reach just being able to add clear with it, just swinging it around. It's super strong, especially in something like um, Devil's Lair. I always think about that strike because I have so many memories of popping popping Chaos Reach and killing like 20 enemies. And um, something like that is incredibly strong at um, clearing out a group of enemies. And in GMs, those normal enemies, they're kind of difficult to kill. Those red bars have a lot of health. So um, don't be afraid to use your super 
also things like stasis. I know it got nerfed a little bit, but stasis is still a very strong thing in GMs with the like warlock turret. You just throw that in the middle of ads and it just helps sort of keep things under control. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that because it it, free, it works good against the uh, champions too, actually. Yeah, just freezing the oh. champions. It's just good at buying you time, taking other enemies out of the fight. Um, mm-hmm. And I mean, you can pair it, especially, I mean, the turret especially. You pair that with Verity's Brow, some some bomber mods on your class item. When you drop your rift, you get nade energy. You, you'll have that stasis turret up pretty often. And hucking that thing around... The enemies don't care about it, but they get frozen. So that's that's really helpful. Yeah. So yeah. what do you what do you both think will take place when the Vault of Glass master mode is out? What do you think is going to change? How do you think Bungie will make it more challenging? I mean, I think it's just gonna be like the day one. Minus the challenges that we had to do. Like, I think it'll just be the contest. Contest. Play. And then just, you know, get through it sort of thing. Um, yeah. I think it's, I don't know. Like, I don't really think. Because what, what else new could they do? Like, really? I mean. Well, they would. Yeah. The only thing I thought of in the past was like, oh, would they implement the challenges as well? You had to do all of them. But I don't see that happening. So. I think it's in their best interest just to make it simple and just be contest mode. Would it be akin to what it was for Destiny 1? You know, it's like the enemies were just so sort of. so much more tankier yeah. for the most part. Um, yeah, sound like it, Crota, or like hard mode Crota's end had only one change. Well, actually, it had two changes because I think two ogres spawned in the first area. And then mm-hmm. at the end of the raid, there was a wizard that spawned. I think they changed that for hard mode. Um, but like it's pretty much I'd be very surprised if it wasn't just adding contest because I mean for most players like that's going to be that's going to be enough of a challenge and I don't think they need to make it overly complicated would I like them to make it more complicated absolutely but Bungie doesn't necessarily make the game for someone like me like their priority is for the majority player base and I think for the majority player base, just giving it a little bit more, um, like a little more any enemy challenge, uh, what's uh, like sandbox challenges. That's that's all it really needs. I don't think any mechanic changes would really help that much. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think you're totally right. Um, I think that you know Bungie wants for the raids to be more accessible to more people. And I think in that process, I think they're very mindful to make sure that everybody can complete the raid and it's not only reserved for the top tier players. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think they're going to go out all out for the Witch Queen, though, because we're raid because we don't because it'll be a brand new raid to us. We won't know, you know, with contest mode for that, you know, that day. I think contest mode is going to be really challenging. You know, I think that for the next one, they're definitely going to make it really difficult. But at the same time, I don't think it's going to be Season of Opulence. I don't think they're going to create endgame content on that level where they say, hey, here's the seal, and you have to pretty much flawless everything that's here. 
But I also think at the same time, during Season of Opulence, we got quite a bit of uh, endgame content, if you really think about it. Because every menagerie that we had, that really felt like endgame. Uh, also, we had the Garden of Salvation raid. And arguably not the greatest raid or the biggest raid, but still... I think there was a level of challenge to it, especially if you tried to do a flawless. And then that, so there was quite a bit. And with the menageries, we had four different variations that felt pretty different. So there was quite a bit to do. Yeah, I mean, menagerie is the best and worst thing to happen to Destiny because, you know, okay, nothing why will the ever worst? probably. I want to hear this. Well, because. Bungie's not going to be able to reproduce it again. Yeah, like they, right. they weren't even the company that really made it. That was Vive. It was like, Vicarious, Vicarious Visions. Visions was like the sole mm-hmm. developer of like honestly like most of that that expansion, which is yeah. why it was so like there was so much that came out. <laughs> I would love for it to go back to that, but it honestly in in Bungie's cir- circumstances and the whole situation. It just won't happen again. So it sucks and it's bad that it happened because nothing is going to be as good for a normal season. The big ones are definitely as good. Most are better. Not all of them, but like most of them are still better. You know what's interesting, though? We're getting pretty much two, two more major expansions. In between those major expansions, I see the opportunity to to get Prison of Elders return and perhaps the Menagerie, because they can probably up the graphics, they can probably make it relevant and workable on the next-gen consoles and platforms while maintaining that excellent gameplay without having to pretty much start fresh, right? So I think that there are some opportunities here. I think Prison of Elders was a really great uh, entry yeah. into Endgame. POE was the... Like I think the their best three man activity outside of like what a dungeon was like I loved Prison of Elders. Yeah, he and really I, enjoyed I I, week one. I know I harp on that all the time, and I know I bang on that drum for Poe <laughs> to come back, but I, I just thought it was a solid activity. You know, and it had like the different levels. You know, it had the it had the twenty eight, had the thirty two, and the thirty four, and then you had level thirty five Skolas. Remember what Skolas was when he that first came out. Um, that was like a mini raid, <laughs> that, that, yeah, that boss I mean, fight. That's what it was supposed to be. It was essentially, oh, we're not going to have a raid, but we're going to try something new before, you know, uh, taking King. Yeah. Um, you know, it's like, could have been better, yes, but I do think uh, Prison Builders is what Destiny kind of needs right now. Yeah. No, I think I agree. Not necessarily I... literally Prison Builders, but something akin to it. Yeah. Yeah. There needs to be an endgame activity that really feels like there's replayability. And to be honest, I think Vault of Glass has become way too rewarding, period. Uh I, I think that the idea of, you know, grinding to get your Vex or your Fatebringer or your Vision of Confluence doesn't feel like it's that's there anymore, right? Because every chest that you opened up gives you pretty much that a weapon or an armor piece it it feels like the game is too rewarding and in that process i think that most people already got what they wanted and i i don't know how many people are going to chase the um weapons what are they they, you know the chrome 
like the time the, lost version. Time lost version. Yeah. Yeah. See, yeah. And I mean, although I will say, I think that's their purpose. I think it's most people's like, hey, I got the God Roll Fatebringer. For me, I honestly don't really care uh, about what role. Like, I don't have a Firefly explosive yet, but I, I don't. I'm just waiting for time loss. Like once time loss weapons come, then I'll start caring about it. Because for me, I want that, that perfect role. If it gives me two more handling, I don't care. It has two more handling. So they're it's, adept, right? Those time loss right. ones are adept. Yeah, it's the same yeah. thing as like um, any of the other ones, which yeah. I mean, we don't know. I'm pretty sure you'll be able to put adept mods on it though. So it's like, Hey, for the rocket launcher, you got adept big ones. So it covers majors as well. Oh man. Like, I want yeah. my rocket to have that and then there's like four different rocket rolls i want i want overflow lasting i want overflow vorpal i want auto loading vorpal auto lasting like i want to have all those because one might be better in one situation than the other i gotta get them all time lost so i can all have that would be the same mods and awesome. now you see uh, how many things yeah. I, like i'm gonna need a hundred different roll or attempts to get them because like yeah because I have getting it. I have overflow and cluster on one of my husbands. So to be able to put that big ones on, like or to get a roll like that of the time loss and then put a that big ones on it would be pretty pretty awesome. So like I kinda want it to be as rewarding, at least for weapons. I don't think armor needs to be uh, like as rewarding as it is right now. There's so many ways to get like high stat armor. I mean, for me, I just go into the Pit of Heresy each week because, like, I'm going to get 66 with 23 recovery um, a decent amount of the time. So if I want my perfect armor build, that's kind of where I go. Um, but, like, I kind of agree that uh, Destiny currently is very reliant on the most current raid to sort of define the endgame activity. When I think if there were more sort of like if there were like three background options. So let's say it's like POE um, GMs and something else to always sort of do. And then the raid is like the thing at the top. Um, it might sort of help with the sort of uh, over reliance that end game raids right now have where it's like uh, Vogue has like everything you want because you're going to get your pinnacles from there it's like all the new weapons are there etc etc you still might want to so yeah that's great conversation there um, and really great points um, I think that you know Bungie definitely has some work to do in terms of improving the end game and really making the game feel like there's more to do and add more meaning to it, right? Like, we all want for the game to be better. I, I'm definitely grateful for what the game brings to us, but I do think there are some missed opportunities there, and I do hope that in the future they are able to produce a little bit more in that regard. And we do have another thing to talk about, but before we talk about the TWAB, uh, I want to know about your most memorable and most embarrassing Grandmaster and raid experiences. Cruz, do you want to kick things off? Grandmasters. Well, I mean, I feel like for Proving Grounds, it's just the, those rocks. The first time they killed someone, it was just like, why would you just die to? <laughs> like, <laughs> this sort of like that environmental 
interaction is always something that's going to be funny to me. Um, man, there's so many, I don't know. There's just so many memories. They, most of them stem from conversation though. It's just like, what are we talking about? Um, like for me, it's like the conversations during a raid are kind of like what make it fun compared to like keep just like the activity because when the activity sort of gets boring, the more you do it. But, uh, you know, just being able to talk about things, just joke around. Something I like and hate doing is like lamenting people into walls or like off cliffs. So doing like not necessarily a GM because I don't know if I'm using lament in it. But like, yeah, you can like jump and then do your inner attack and it just like throws people. So that that's going to be my memorable thing. <laughs> That's pretty cool. What about you, Shadow Price? Um, most memorable, probably, you know, just getting it done for the first time. <laughs> like, you know, that's what uh, she said after failing like oh, yeah. a few times, you know, at it. And, you know, because my first GM was like last season. Like, I didn't start doing GMs until last season, until I, you know, had people to finally play with and things like that. Um, most embarrassing, um, I don't know, many, one of the many other times, like, we were, I was on a Grandmaster and just get, like, you know, totally one hit by a skiff and blown all the way off the map or, you know, just, like, so, getting physicsed, basically, you know, but also laughing at it, too, and it was pretty funny. Oh, yeah, and an honorable mention, actually, which was pretty memorable, we were messing around with the physics in uh, Atheon on uh, contest mode, and oh we were trying God, to do yes. the, do the yeet so thing. Cool. Well, we were yeeting uh, each other everywhere, and it was <laughs> hilarious. It was so funny just watching your character like tweak out, like when you move, and then just watch the character, the other character go flying. It was great. I have a couple of things for me that were kind of uh, fun and interesting. Um, in terms of the nightfall. I would probably say the most memorable would probably be back in Destiny 1 when we were fighting the Archon's Priest Nightfall and we had to go all the way to the back of the map. Are you hiding underneath the little railing? There, there was a spot. Yeah, there was a spot there and that's how you would avoid all of the big mm, ads. Yeah. There was a platform on the right what, side and you I, could crouch yeah. underneath so it. Like, <laughs> oh, dude, I love those spots. I couldn't get there. I could not get there. Okay. I was getting one shot every freaking time I was trying to get there. And it's like fucking spawn die every two minutes. So it was the most frustrating thing. And then finally, I think Shadow Price and whoever else we were playing with, they they pretty much soloed it while I was like fucking guardian down. The entire time uh and then the other memorable thing was uh in terms of the raid i had a couple yeah definitely that time we were playing the vault of glass that was pretty freaking cool to just get a laugh of like tweet everybody tweaking out and trying to cheese the boss but honestly the most fun experience was like cheesing each other not the boss like uh, so that was a pretty fun experience. Also, I remember during Crota's end, there was a glitch where during the second encounter, you can go all the way up top. Now, 
Oh, Cornholio yeah. does not jump. Okay, like like my. Let me put it this way: I would rather solo Crota than have to do a jumping puzzle. That's how crap I am. Okay, so that was a fun little experience. It took me like 30, 40 minutes to get all the way up top, and it was just the coolest freaking thing. I felt like I was on top of the world once I got all the way on top of that like castle structure mm-hmm. for us to essentially despawn all the ads. Yep. Now, ironically, after they patched that encounter and they took out that mechanic where you can do that, I had probably some of the most fun in Crota just like going ham with the swords. Going ham with the swords and everything. And I'd love yeah. to go. I always enjoyed going first because like I wanted to get it over with and get it done, you know? So um it was a oh, fun experience. So that's why you went and, first all the time. Well, yeah, that's why. And I had some pretty fun uh white moments there too, where like I just couldn't get across in time and just sword disappeared. <laughs> my my most challenging thing was having to play on the dreaming city when you had to do those freaking like jumping puzzle challenges and you like you had to do one every week ascendant challenges like to this day i freaking hate them (laughs) Uh, they're the worst honestly like i would rather solo a raid i'd rather do anything you were talking about that lullaby uh the raid the what is it called deep stone lullaby deep stone lullaby like i don't you know to me, it's like, oh, I get to listen to music, but I don't like that encounter because it, I mean, it's a cool encounter, I'm sure, but that's a lot of jumping they're asking you to do with everything shooting at you left and right. Not my that's, cup of tea. They they do those things for the flawless runs because, you know, that's where everyone dies. Yeah. yeah it's no, like someone's always going to fall. From the boys. Someone's always going to fall, and it's like, it's your fault, man. <laughs> you fell. Now we got to restart the raid. No, yeah. I call that snack time. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> It's okay. Uh, So, Guardians, we have one more thing to talk about tonight. We have a Bungie weekly update that is out from Bungie again. And Shadow Price, what did we learn this week from the great Cosmo at Bungie? Well, so basically we're in the throes of the Endless Night, and it's really ramped up this week as the tower is now in full dark mode. And strange things are afoot as Guardians continue to search for answers by diving even deeper into the Vex network. Hopefully the source is found soon as it's looking pretty problematic right now. As you can all see, if you're in the tower with all the taken orbs everywhere. Yeah, there's a lot of blights around. <laughs> yeah. And Zavala's yeah. just chilling, dude. He doesn't care. Yeah, he, he's like, eh. I've seen worse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was there during the collapse guardian. So <laughs> But uh yeah, so we've definitely gotten a little decorative makeover in the tower courtesy of Savathun or you know Savathun's uh minions. <laughs> so that's interesting, right? Um so basically now that uh we have some more uh weapons coming back. Some of the moon weapons are actually returning. Uh, they actually talked about this earlier when they would they make a return and it looks like uh, the time is approaching. So we have four weapons uh, from the Dreaming City and four weapons from the moon are being reissued with uh, new perk uh, pools. 
And all these weapons will drop from the original sources on their respective destination. And here's a list of the weapons, along with the perks that they can each roll with. So we got the Loud Lullaby returning. I believe that's the hand cannon. That's the 120. And it's going mm-hmm. to uh, get a chance to roll with Tunnel Vision. Uh, one Small Step will be able to roll with Trench Barrel. Tranquility um, Sniper, I believe, will roll with Frenzy. Uh, Archaeologic will roll with Heating Up. Dreambreaker uh, will roll with Cornered. Every Waking Moment will roll with Killing Wind. Love and Death with Chain Reaction. A Fine Memorial with Adrenaline Junkie. And Night Terror with One for All. So that's a pretty good uh, swath of weapons returning from uh, the Shadowkeep DLC. Um, Now we also have some ones more returning from the Forsaken campaign. We've got Tiger Spike coming back, and that's going to roll with Frenzy. Twilight Oath, my one that I'm looking forward to, uh, roll with Vorpal Weapon, and Abide the Return uh, will roll with Thresh. And now that you know that several of these weapons have been popular in the past, looking at you, Twilight Oath, we hope you enjoy getting fresh drops. And if you're a newer player who doesn't have these weapons, happy hunting. That's the one I'll be looking forward towards is uh, Twilight Oath, because I never got one with Snapshot. Never. Didn't like, get the curated? Oh, nope. that curated was, uh, I think it was a beast. Yeah, no, I never did get it. And I ran up so many menageries trying to get, like, just even one with Snapshot. I couldn't even get one. How many menageries did you run? Oh, my God. Like, almost 200, I think. Oh, wow. It was crazy. I remember when the, the, the five chess thing yeah, 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 yeah. And you yeah, just run away and come back and get like. Yeah. I don't want to talk about that because oh, I missed it. I, I missed that. it. <laughs> I, I, oh, I'm so mad at myself. Well, they gave you the the worst version, which was uh, the slowly escalating one, where you'd open one chest and you get like four drops. I feel like I really shafted myself yeah. that season because not only did I get the shadow title during the most difficult time in the game, but also like I did not take advantage of the chest farming, so. In order to get the shadow title, you have to open up 200 chests. That's 200 grand, like nightfalls, or not nightfalls, uh, menageries. I literally had to do like 200 of them because I totally missed <laughs> that farming. So I yeah, didn't that even was, know that was a step, and that's probably no, because that I was just a step. did it super I easily. And, and you know how I know that? Because it was <laughs> the last thing that I had left. Literally everything else was done, and it was like, all right, who that's wants cool. to try to do a flawless menagerie? Ugh, that's a lot of runs. Uh, it was a story of my life, but uh, it's okay. It was a good time. I enjoyed it. I feel like I earned my title, so mm-hmm. I feel accomplished. That's like me with uh, Mountaintop. I did it when it was really hard to do, so, you know, I earned my Mountaintop. I earned my overpowered Same. weapon. You earned Same. it, and then they too. took it away. That's oh, fine. Yeah, Shadow Price earned it, and then literally the next day it was available from, like, no, just that using was... your currency. That was um, uh, not uh, forgotten. Luna Sal or not forgotten. That was yeah. not forgotten. Yeah, yeah. A week later, or oh. a couple days later, yeah, <laughs> you could buy it from the kiosk. Awesome, right? <laughs> That's what I did with the the machine gun. What's it called? What did we learn? The mm-hmm. what's that? What's that minigun one called? The heavy. Weapon. Oh, uh, air apparent. 
Yeah, air apparent. I, I got it from the kiosk. So I didn't have to do. I did too. The quest. I did too. I was, uh, some clanmates of mine didn't. And it, uh, it was great. I was like, yeah. oh, you missed out, dude. I gotta go get it normally. <laughs> gotta yeah. go play Guardian games. Yeah, it was there right at the beginning of Beyond Light, and I was like, yeah. oh. I was I'll, like, I'll sweet. Take, I grabbed that. it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definitely. Uh, um, so we have Iron Banner returning again next week. Seems like it was just here, but it's back again. Um, it starts at uh, 10 a.m. on Tuesday, uh, June 29th, and it goes through to Tuesday, July 6th. And uh, next week won't be your last chance to take care of... It won't be your last chance to take care of any unfinished business with Lord Saladin. We'll... They'll have one more Iron Banner later in the season. Um, so I will try to jump in. I, I don't know. There's not much. I think I'm almost at the point where, I mean, I'm I don't, I'm not at max light on my other two characters. Yeah, I am mean, on one almost. I'm not, I'm almost there. I'm not quite there. I'm like a couple, like three pieces away right now, three or four pieces. But um, yeah, it's a, you know good way to get some pinnacles done in different roles on some of your weapons yeah get some like uh get that shotgun with iron reach you know go get, get those that tokens. bread yeah get that bread um, so what else do we have coming up shadow price looks like there's going to be a update to the bungee store happening um on july 1st the bungee store beta will be rolled out as we they prepare to transition to a new e-commerce platform. Players with existing Bungie Store accounts will be prompted to change their password once the beta is live. With the new store, players will be able to sign in using their Bungie.net accounts, which will make viewing, browsing, and purchasing Bungie rewards an improved and more streamlined experience. Please note that any generated Bungie rewards codes for Volta Glass Art Print, Descendant Seal, and Splinter Seal will no longer be valid after July 1st, 2021. Uh, players who do not purchase these Bungie rewards before July 1st will need to sign in with a Bungie store account linked to a Bungie net account that completed the appropriate triumph to purchase the associated Bungie rewards item. So that is a very important uh, message for the people who uh, want to uh, get those seals still because they will no longer be available after July 1st. 2021 good to know yeah so we also have a uh, update to the pc frame rates um earlier in the week amd released an optional update that resolved an issue where some radeon graphics products have been experienced lower than expected performance in destiny 2 when compared to previous radeon software versions so they made a little change where hopefully you'll be getting some smoother frame rates and things like that. Um, for, for more information, please see the Radeon software Adrenaline 21.6.1 highlights. Um, so that's, you know, good for people who have AMD, you know, products, AMD graphics cards, AMD processors. Um, but uh, yeah, so I mean, that's pretty much, you know, there's, we got your movies of the week. And that's they're always good. So congratulations to the winners. Um, and so Shadow okay. Price, can I ask you a question? Yeah. Does this mean we're going to see you a little bit more on the PC? 
no promises. <laughs> no promises. Okay. <laughs> they did just, say just AMD. Checking. They did. They didn't say. Uh, they didn't say Nvidia, <laughs> or uh, you know. So I mean, <laughs> but you know, we'll see. <laughs> um, TBD. But, yeah. Yeah, I, mean, I saw on Reddit some posts that were talking about the frame rate things. And um, I remember one comment being like, oh, yeah, from like Tangled Shore, he went from like 40 FPS to 100. So like it's definitely a lot better than it used to be. That's good. So he had they had an AMD. Um, yeah, I like, mean, pretty much every person who's had like an AMD product in Destiny has it's been like this for a while. I mean, granted, like I'd say overall PC performance has sort of gotten a bit worse over the last i'd say like year and a half or two years compared to like forsaken i'd say that's when um optimization was probably at its best for fps but uh amd's always been like behind even if you had like a faster cpu um compared to like intel processors but um this one seems to have fixed it for a lot of people which is good yeah um so yeah just to get back to uh we have the artists of the week as well there's always some great art uh designs that is in the twab and that's pretty much it it was a pretty short one this week yeah it was a pretty short not not a whole lot i mean we're getting a few new weapons from the dreaming city and from uh, a few of the destinations but yeah nothing too major um we do have a tradition on the show before we wrap things up we rate the weekly update in the form of spicy tuna rolls. And as our guest, do you want to kick things off, Cruz, and share what's your thoughts on this week's Spongy Weekly update? One being really bad spicy tuna rolls and five being really awesome spicy tuna Five being tuna. the top, okay. Um, I'd say this is a pretty normal one. You know, it's not too long, not too short. We got a couple, like, new weapon things, which were kind of cool. You know, like, getting Tranquility with Frenzy might be pretty neat, depending on if it can roll, like, auto-loading holster. So I might look out for that one. Um, as a result of weapons actually coming back, I'll give it a... Uh, a three-and-a-half spicy rolls, because someone ate the other half. Uh, oh, who ate it? Okay, I gotta know. I Wait the other it half. Was, it was probably Cosmo. I know he's a hungry oh, boy. Freaking Cosmo. Man, you know, DMG leaves him for literally one week, and this is what happens. He ate it, man. Shadow Price. I, I still got a little bit, though. What would you say? One, one to five. How many spicy tuna rolls are you giving this week's Bungie weekly update? Uh, I'm going to go half lower. I'm going to go three. Ooh, um, okay. I just, uh, I mean, I appreciate these, you know, weapons coming back and, you know, be able to roll with some of these uh, new perks. Um, You know, looking forward to hopefully getting a better Twilight Oath uh, now that when it's coming back. Um, I don't know, just kind of, it's a a regular update. You know, there's nothing crazy that's to you know in here to get super excited about you know it's it's pretty par for the course i would say so that's why i'm going to go with a three so okay. yeah 
Well, I think you both are more generous than I will be this week because I'm going to say probably 2.5. It's just, eh, you know, it's an update. No bad news. <laughs> you know, I mean, I guess that's good, right? Mm -hmm. uh, nothing that I really enjoy got nerfed. So that's good. They added more stuff to the game. But, I mean, there really wasn't anything there. I think them bringing back Tiger Spite and a few of those other weapons... It's cool, but it's like, I'm not really going to give them a pat in the back for it. It's like, these weapons probably should have been there from the very beginning. So, you're not really... Let me put it this way. When they come back, I'm not going to be like, wow, I have to go and play this activity to grind out for whatever. Like, in, uh, yeah. in most cases, I already have an alternative to that weapon that's as good or better. So... Not too excited for that. And Iron Banner, it's like I already got my uh, monthly dose of disappointment when I literally wasted all of my tokens trying to get a shotgun. Didn't really get a very good one. They did not talk about fixing the drop rates of that weapon, even in this upcoming Iron Banner. So it doesn't sound like they're really addressing that. So actually, based on that, I'm going to take some points off so i'm gonna say two out of five spicy tuna rolls from cornholio cornholio is bringing the salt tonight guardians <laughs> two out of five spicy tuna rolls from cornholio cosmo sorry not sorry i said it <laughs> so guardians wow this must be our shortest episode in quite some time thank you so so much for joining us tonight Thank you to our guest, Cruz. Thank you so much for being our guest tonight. Thank you for sharing your remarkable story. Thank you for reliving the incredible moments of getting that bread and beating Atheon as the world's first. Congratulations on your achievements. And thank you so much for being our guest tonight. Thanks for having me. I mean, it was fun to talk about. And I mean... Yeah, world's first. I'm just, I'm just excited to get that belt. You know, that belt looks sick. I gotta lie. There's only what? There's like, uh, how many belts are made? Like 52 or something like that. So it's kind of a, you know, it's, it's a surreal thing to be it's involved. It's a relic. With like, it's a relic. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's only like, yeah, there's only like 50, and there's only like 30 people in the world who have it or have that's, one. That's so. that's so cool, man. Well, congratulations. Of, so. And. Yeah. uh Enjoy it. Enjoy it. This is your moment. This is your time. You're the underdog, and I love an underdog story. We're no longer Hearing... underdogs, though. <laughs> Not anymore. You're the winner. Now you are the dog. Oh, thank you. You are the reigning dog. dog. Yeah. The dog reigning supreme. So we can't wait for the next raid. Um, we will be there probably last, trying to get a day one clear, <laughs> but we will try. And nonetheless, and thank you for joining us tonight. It was such a pleasure to learning more about you and your journey. And we wish you all of the best. Before we let you go, where can the Guardians learn more about you and what you do? Um, I'd say the best place to know more about me is just on my Twitter, because I'll post basically everything there about what I'm doing. And that is at the TV cruise. Yes, it's the TV cruise. Um, 
that's where I'll post like when I make videos and guides or anything like that, uh, Twitch stream updates or just general Twitter things that I'll talk about. Might be some random things, might be some Destiny things. So uh, you can check me out there and you'll see everything. Awesome. Well, we will definitely be looking out for that. And Shadow Price, where can we learn more about you? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at ShadowPrice79 and also here on the Destiny Show podcast. Thank you very much. Very, very cool. And you can find the Destiny Show podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. We are on Apple Music or Apple. <laughs> we're on Spotify. We're on Stitcher. We're on Podbean. We are everywhere that you listen to podcasts. You can also find the Destiny Show podcast on the Twitter at The Destiny Show. You can also find us at destinyshow.com. I have been working on a new website. It is coming soon, I promise. And we have some fun things planned for you. A lot of really cool stuff. A lot of exciting guests are in the work. We're going to have a really exciting month of July. Guardian Radio will be joining us for our very special Bungie Day episode. So make sure to check that out with the awesome Mark Turcott, the founder of Guardian Radio. And we have another amazing guest coming next week. I believe it's Silver Spear, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, she is an amazing, amazing guardian who has a lot of heart, a lot of love in this community. And she has a very remarkable story that I cannot wait for you all to hear. That's going to be really exciting, and we have a lot more exciting stuff planned for you, so make sure to stay tuned for that, and thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you for joining us on the Destiny Show podcast. We hope you get great bread this week. Go do your Grandmaster Nightfalls and do your Vault of Glass raids, and thank you again for joining us again live and wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you love the show, you can leave a review on Apple. It does make a pretty big difference believe it or not. And uh, if you like the show, just take a minute, leave a review on Apple, and it really means a lot. And uh, thank you all for joining us. And we'll see you all next week. Good night, everyone. Bye-bye. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.